the Khyber Nagas is a pivotal text in Rastafarian tradition. Written in Ethiopia during the 14th century, it tells the story of a relationship between the biblical king Solomon and Queen of Sheba, as well as their son, Menelik, who famously bought the Ark of Covenant to Ethiopia. A text for Ethiopian Christians, the Kabanagas is also a fundamental sacred work of Rastafarian tradition. A book of incredible cultural significance, the Kabanagas is far more than a work of literature. It's a testament to the enduring richness of Ethiopian tradition and culture. The Bros Bookshelf presents to you the Kabanagas, the lost Bible of Rastafarian wisdom. Tuned in to the Bros Bookshelf Podcast, where we read the books and let the content drive the discussion. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Welcome to another podcast episode of the Bros Bookshelf. With your host, Lennon Givens. I'm here with my co-host, the smooth, baritone, silky voice of Dr. Harvey Hinton III. And tonight we have a special guest. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do, though. We got a special guest tonight. So, dog, you know I'm in this fellowship. I got this this fellowship by uh, this Robert Wood Johnson. I'm a culture of health leader. You know, I'm 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 one of those people that they've they've tapped to uh have influence on our community. Well, the person we have on the mic tonight is one of those people as well. Um Renee is all things public health at in Michigan. Um she's a super cool person. But more importantly, um a couple months ago we were in DC together and we were at the uh the Museum of African Art. And while we're in the Museum of African Art, Renee just kind of walks up to me. We're in the in the gift shop, and she kind of walks up to me and gives me this book, the Cabra Nagasta. And I'm looking at it, and it's got the intro by Ziggy Marley. It's got all this Rasta symbology on it, and I'm like, "Damn, she she blew my cover. <laughs> she blew my cover." <laughs> But uh, she put this book in my hand, dog, and um, it's been a cool read. So I had to like hit her back and say, "Hey, hey, 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 hey! You you put this book in my hand. Let's talk about this." So that's that's how we got here. That's Renee. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Renee. Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate it. Um, I am a fan, so it's nice to to be. I've listened to um, quite a few episodes, so. I am a fan, and I feel special to be here. Hey, Renee, thank you for saying that. And before we get started, is there anything you want to tell our listeners about yourself? Because I kind of told it to, you know, my side of the story. But how, is there anything you want us to know about you? Um, You know, your introduction just does not need any edits. It was so fantastic. Thank you so much. 
That's cool. Now, Renee, let me ask you this. What made you, did you already have that book picked out so when you saw Harvey, you could give it to him? Or did you see him and you had it in your possession and you say, you know what? He could use this. Um, no, actually, I didn't know that that book existed. Um, the the book that we both read and the book that it's about, because it's actually a book about a book. Um, right. And I don't remember what we were talking about, but we were in the Museum of African Art. Um, this book has a lot of ties to Ethiopia. Um, and I think at one point we were talking about Rasta and Rastafarian culture. And so when I saw that, I was just like, I dig this book and Harvey's going to dig this book. So I'm just going to put it in his hand. He can buy it or not buy it, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. So I didn't think it through too much. Um, I just know that those are some of the things that really resonate with me. And I'll, I'll get into why a little as we talk about the book. But um, yeah, I just... I. Harvey and I vibe. We've been vibing even before we met. Like, I was just like, this is my people. Like, I could already tell. So when I saw the book, I knew it was something he would like. Dude. Oh, that was powerful. You said you and Harvey vibe even before you met. You could tell that y'all that y'all was going to vibe. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Now, Harvey, let me ask you the, the, uh, the $1 million question. Okay, dog. What made you, I know that she put this book in your hand. What made you introduce this book to the bros bookshelf? Well, you know, for one, bro, I, I, I like that work. I like that work. And and we we committed to doing this, and we said we was going to get our numbers up. So um, I think uh, we got an effort here to, to try to drive um, a broad genre of books, expand our conversations, all over our community. And so this was an opportunity to jump on something that was relatively short. Um, I don't think it's something that you can just digest in one read, but you can definitely get through it in one sitting. You know what I mean? I don't, it's not a, it's not difficult. Um, and, bro, I don't know. If you remember, when you and I first met, all we talked about was religion. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going through a um, a uh, a trying time in my life, a moment where I was turning away and uh, trying to find truth and trying to find myself. In this book, it says something that uh, really stuck with me out of the whole book, that one thing that stuck with me. And um, I didn't do any lit bars today because I didn't, I didn't get a either, chance man. I didn't get a chance to get the hard copy. So typically I like to have the hard copy. So it's coming in the mail. But uh, it was one thing that he said. He said that, uh, he said, there is no angels. We are angels. Right. And it's only Jah and I. Right. Thus, I and I. Right. Uh, Jah lives within me. I am Jah. Jah is me. We all are Jah. I and I. And it made me think about that. that Rastafari. Right. It, it made me think about that line, uh, Bougie Bunta song, when he said, I and I, I, I want to rule, rule my destiny. My destiny. Yeah. And so when I was um, searching for a truth, I kept coming back to that. I kept coming back to uh, God 
or the being is not an outside entity. It's something that lives in all of us. We are the being. We are a manifestation of God. That's why they say we are created in his image. So we have the ability to act like God, to love like God, to be compassionate like God. Like there was another part in the book where um, they were talking about the bus hit this guy on the bicycle. Right. And it wasn't a big deal. He right. got up. He said, I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. The bus driver said, you okay? He said, I'm no, sorry, I'm fine. I'm sorry, Rasta. I'm sorry, Rasta. Yeah. I'm sorry, Roots. And, 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 and the people on the bus saw that. And it was just so much love where they gave like him the man bananas a, over. A, a bunch of bananas. And, you know, he accepted the bananas and he went on about his way. So, um, yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I haven't been to Jamaica. And, you know, when we when when you and I met, what year was that? That was 2008 when we met. So we're both on this quest for truth. Uh, we're trying to be better men. Um, I'm exploring all things that have to deal with black people and our relationships with God. And I just resonated with the roster culture. I mean, I just gravitated to it. Didn't really know what it was about. I haven't been to Jamaica, you know? So um, there's a lot of things in this book I've had experiences with because I've hung out with Rastas for a very long time, even prior to 2008. I think that was one of the things that Renee and I kind of might have been talking about. I think Renee's got some people from the islands. So I think she has a um, a relationship personal experiences with this this type of subject. But I don't know. I think I think, you know, as as you and I were dealing with it though, Lenny, as we were dealing with um trying to find ourselves in truth and relationship with God. I don't know. Renee, is that it's a dumb question, but is that what sisters talk about? I mean <laughs> Okay, so I'll, I'll give my my little background. So I am the resident Jamaican on the podcast. My family um is from Jamaica. I am one in my immediate family, I'm the only person that was born in the U.S. So um, Jamaican culture is very strong. I have Rastas in my family, that kind of thing. Um, and so this book was really helpful to illuminate, like, a lot of the traditions. And, of course, you know, Rastafarianism is was very popularized by uh, reggae music. Bob Marley goes without saying, took it worldwide. And you can talk about so many other artists, even just the reference that you made um, to Buju um, and, and the text that uh, that you just quoted as well. Um, and so this this book was helpful for like so many things that I grew up with that I've known as a part of the culture. It really provided like the context and the explanation for that stuff. And that was what I really liked about the book. Um, so from... I mean, we can talk a little bit more about it, but like, from- when was when was the first time? When was the first time you think you saw Rasta or understood that there was something called Rasta? So I went to Jamaica for the first time when I was two years old. I was just had just started walking, um, so probably then. <laughs> Um, so I was, ever since I've known myself, I've known Rasta and I've known Rastas. An important thing to know about Jamaican culture um, is that Rastafarianism is counterculture, right? So you have like Absolutely. Jamaican culture, 
that is really based off of colonization and like British culture. Um, and then of course you have all the other, um, outside, well, I don't want to say outside, but there are a lot of influences. So our motto is out of many, one people. And so you have, um, you know, most people think about Jamaicans, they think about black people, but it's very multicultural. So we have Indians, we have Assyrian, we have Chinese and people intermingle and get married. And so a lot of times you'll see people um, look very ethnically mixed or hey, nothing is funnier than seeing them Chinese ladies talk that uh Rasta talk to that's the funniest yeah, that's shit to me. <laughs> Chinese from China and she opened our mouth and she just chat the patwa you know wish you said right so <laughs> right you know uh, what was Bob Marley's dad his his dad was uh was Bob Marley man. was a his father, an example of that no yeah. not really Scottish or Irish, but he was definitely European. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's very, very common um, where people intermingle, intermix. So I say that to say that Rastafarianism was like counterculture. It wasn't popularized or really accepted in that way um, until post Bob Marley, when Bob Marley made it national, made it cool. But like when my parents were growing up, like Rastas were the scoundrels. Rastas were um, the people who police would hold. If something went wrong, they're going to grab the Rasta and say that the Rasta is the person who's accountable for the theft or whatever the issue is. Um, and so I've always known of Rasta, but it was like a subculture. It was something different. And so as I've gotten older and I've learned more about it, um, and then learning and going to Ethiopia. So that's another reason why this um, book stood out to me is that um, wow. Going to Ethiopia and learning about Ethiopian culture, it just, it blew my world up. Like I was able to make so many parallels with um, Rastafarian culture, um, Jamaican and black struggles for freedom across the diaspora. Um, did you go to, um? did you go to that land? Was it Shazimin? Is that how you Sassimina? said it? No, I wasn't able to go to Sasaminia, but um, I definitely wanted to. But just being in Ethiopia, it's a very... Um, it's a very holy place. It's a very religious place. A lot of the places we went and places we toured were churches and monasteries and just learning a lot about um, the Kebra Nagas, but I didn't know that's what it was at the time. I didn't realize that it was different Bibles. And so Ethiopian Orthodox Christianity is different than um, Judeo-Christian um, Christianity. And so that was actually really, and this book helped to bridge that together because like when I would be in the churches in, um, Ethiopia, they have these big, beautiful murals that are all Bible stories. Right. And so I'm looking at it and I was raised in Jamaica is a very, very Judeo Christian country. So I'm raised Christian. I know all these Bible stories and I'm looking at the pictures and then there's some pictures that I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know that story. And then our tour guide or the priest would tell us about it. And I'm like, how come I didn't know that story? And it's because it's slightly different in the Kepra and the Gast, And I didn't realize it's two different books. Like the, uh, what was what, what this? The Scary Man? Yep. That's one of them. That yeah. Not in the yeah, the Scary Man, the scary man was, a, uh, was, was one of those uh, stories that, that wasn't uh, a parallel in the Christian Bible. But I wanted to ask you a question because this is one of the things that uh, that was a question to me. I I somewhat know the story of uh, 
uh, what's his name? A uh, Selassie. Yeah. All right. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that Ethiopia was under Italian rule yeah. at one point. Yeah. Okay. And I think Mussolini. Well, uh, sorry, I'm going to, in- I'm going to interrupt you just to correct that. So um, that's actually one of Ethiopia's like pride points is that they're the only African country that was never formally colonized. And right. so, um, okay. Yeah. Tried, but they were not, they tried to twice actually. Um, and they were never successful. And so that's like one of a big pride point for Ethiopian history. Thank you for correcting me on that. Um, but make the connection between Ethiopia and Jamaica. So, um, okay. So I'm going to answer both of your questions about Haley Selassie. And that is kind of the connection to Jamaica. So um, remember in the book, they were talking about this relationship between the Queen of Sheba and King Solomon. And they had mm-hmm. the baby, and the baby went off and ended up mm-hmm. ruling Ethiopia and had like lineages of children. And so King Solomon is a direct descent, not or Jesus is a direct descendant of King Solomon, according to um, both both uh, religious texts, right? And so, therefore, um, that line, the um, royal line within Ethiopia, is then connected to. Um, the concept is that connected to King Solomon. And so there's like that kind of divination there. Um, And so Rastafarians view Haley Selassie as the one true God. And so that's, that's where the connection comes in with him being um, royalty in Ethiopia, with him being um, from the line of King Solomon. um, That that's the belief is that he, they worship him as God. A, A man. Okay. Okay. But so the belief is that it's kind of similar to how Christians worship Jesus, um, that he's, you know, it's, it's a divine, so a human, but a divine being. Yeah. It was, a, yeah, it was a like fulfilling Muhammad of, and, yeah, and yeah, it was, it another was a prophet. fulfilling of a prophecy, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's interesting. He didn't necessarily, um, claim that position. Correct. You know, um, and it was the fact that he came to acknowledge them, you yeah. know, and, you know, these people um, were lost in in the in the cap, in, not not lost like they were lost. But, you know, you're talking about, bro, when, when, when they took slaves out of Africa or they took Africans out of the out of the continent as slaves, where they took us to, they learned a lot. And when they took us to the islands, they took people from the same places and them brothers and sisters got there and they told them motherfuckers up. Like they they marooned in them islands. And that's where they learned that they like, yo, we gotta separate these people. We gotta we gotta we can't let everybody from the same uh geographical area stay together because if they do, they're gonna come back and attack. And so that's the history, if you will, right? You got these African maroon folk in Jamaica. And so the the relationship with the Ethiopian uh, religion, Christianity, like that had already been there. That seed had already been there amongst the people. And so this, this connection, um, that, that there would be another uprising out of Ethiopia, Haley Selassie, I represented all of that, all of that. And then the fact that he actually came and saw them, 
oh, that just like that just that just took it over. Because the fact that he actually showed up in Jamaica and, and 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 saw the people, oh, that's that's where the shit just hit the fan right there. And so you know, it's it's been one of those things, man, where you know, um, in my experiences in dealing with rosters, um, that's for some that's a big deal, um, you know. And I think I think the book spoke to like the diversity of the Rastafarian culture. Not everybody gets caught up into that, that, that dogmatic mythology of the reincarnation of God through a individual man. Some people go back to understanding what you mentioned earlier, Lenny, about, you know, Jai and I, and that every man is a representation and we all are, and all we have is each other. And so. Yeah. Two things. Um, one, I, I would say, too, like you were talking about the Maroons, that's actually a big thing. So um, you're correct, Harvey, in um, the Maroons being um, folks who were rebelling and went up into the hills and didn't participate and kind of had their own society. Um, and some of those folks are Rasta, some of their, them are not. So they're still Maroons who have like their own culture, and that's even separate from Rastafarianism. And some of the, sometimes it overlaps. Um, and like you said about the diversity um, of the culture uh, for Rastafarianism, one of the things that I really um, appreciate and gravitate to about Rastafarian culture, religion, is that it's very holistic in the sense that it's not just about like rituals or smoking weed. It's, it's about like keeping your body pure, eating idle food, living off the land, not being dependent on the government, like it's about a lot. And then that's another reason why um, somebody like Marcus Garvey is such um, held in such high esteem in Rastafarian culture because he was about self-reliance and like black, um, black nationalism and black prosperity and not um, relying and succumbing to colonialism. So that's really important. What are the, that was with that being said, that was kind of confusing for me. It's, it's a couple yeah. of things I wanted to talk about. So, <laughs> so Rastafari, so reading the book, I, uh, at first I got it. Uh, I thought that they got it. They was like, they mentioned something about capitalism and capitalism. We participate in capitalism, which fuels our own, uh, oppression. So I was like, okay, so they're against capitalism, the system, you know, they, they live as outliers. And and pariahs. So, um, but then they uh, revere people like, like what you just said, revere people like Marcus Garvey, who believes in a, another form of capitalism in terms of nationalism. Mm-hmm. It's still the same thing, right? So I was a little confused about that. And, um, and there was another thing that, that was so much I wanted to say. Uh, Another thing that jumped out at me is Rastafarian started in the 1930s. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, okay. It's a new religion. Are we going to read this book as if it's a piece of history? But you can't. Or are we going to read this book as it's a book of, it's a lost book of the Rastafarian Bible which is told and understood as allegoric. Yeah, I think I think that whole framing is bad. You know, I think um so like somewhere I think it's in the last page of the hard copy 
you have the essential wisdom library. So back to a point that Renee said earlier, this is a book about a book. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Keber Nagasta, I don't think that has anything, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, and I'm new to this, so let me be careful how I say this. I'm new to this. I wouldn't call it the Rastafarian Bible. I did open it with that expectation though, Lenny. I opened it with that expectation that I was about to get some weird Rastafarian um, orientation to something, and that's not what this is. Like, far from it. Like, this is about King Solomon and some rosters talking about some stories that they that they had experienced in their life. But the the the, the text itself is about King Solomon, and there are like it's a retelling, um, if we can use that word loosely, of the Old Testament. And um, to Renee's points, it, it took me. It took me to, it took me several times reading the hard copy, and then getting the audible for it to click. What the hell I was reading? So you took time into it. I I also want to add a caveat, and yeah. this me kind of uncomfortable. And I said it was easy to take in, though, right? So that's kind of weird. Once I once I understood what I was dealing with and had the audible, oh, it was flowing. It was straight down here from there. I'm sorry, Renee. Oh, it's okay. Um, Yeah, I wanted to add a caveat. Maybe we should have actually started with this. But like I said, it's a book about a book. And one of the things that made me slightly uncomfortable, so I read it with a grain of salt, was that also this is from a white male gaze. The author of this book is a white man um, who had the audacity to position himself like firmly in Rastafarian culture and posed as an observer. Well, he got a pass, though, didn't he? Didn't he get a pass? I mean, but we let, I mean, black folks, we let everybody in the cookout till they act up. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so hey, I, you know major... what? Naturally, naturally, we don't discriminate because we look at people as human and we don't look at, uh, we, we don't, we're forced to, to look at color and separate race because I think naturally we just look at people as people. I mean, he, he addresses that. He he speaks to um, the idea that he was in a space that traditionally is not privy to white men. It's I mean, not. I've been in some. I, I want to hold on real quick. Let's clear this up. Just for me and the uh, the listeners who pulled this up on Audible. It says by Ziggy Marley. No. The intro. The intro. Not he's not the author. Yeah, the intro. Ziggy has an intro where he's kind of shouting out his pops in the culture. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what he did at the end. Yeah. Now, there's a major fumble in this book. Yeah. Hold on. Let before, me see. Before we get to the fumble, wait, wait, wait. Can I just, I want to just finish what I'm saying about the 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 glaring, this thing of reading it with a, a grain of salt. With- <laughs> we let the content drive the discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you're going with that. Fumble. <laughs> Thoughts and what allowed me to continue reading was his being being Jamaican, knowing Rastafarian culture, is that he was accurate in a lot of the things that he said, and he really did portray it from a humanistic perspective. And so, to answer mm-hmm. your question, Lenny, like I do read it as allegory. I don't read it as history okay. because it's his perspective. Um, but knowing what I know about the culture. 
the things that he said were very plausible. So even the, um, the chapter where he talks about the madman, the man that's crazy, he doesn't want to make eye contact with him and all of that kind of stuff. Like that is very accurate. Like <laughs> in Jamaica, we don't have, we might have it more now, but when I was growing up, there wasn't like mental health services. There wasn't like mm. schizophrenia and depression. There was there wasn't like really a delineation. If somebody was mentally ill, them just mod. You see the man on the street and mm. mod. That's it. Mm. But when he was describing that, I could envision that exact situation because I've seen it before. So that's why I consider it. That's why I take it with a grain of salt. I know it's a white man, but I do know that he's somebody who's perceptive and was reporting out what he saw and what people told him. Yeah. And even in that story that jumped out to me, I said, yo, the Rastafarian has a temporary Bible, contemporary Bible, because they say white people. Because the madman was talking about white people. Right. And and it was written. And, you know, so I, I just thought that jumped out to me. But what was the faux pas, Harvey? What was the fumble? So now, before Noah died, he came forth his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Mm-hmm. To Shem, he said, be God to thy brother. To Ham, be servant to thy brother. And to Japheth, be servant to Shem, my heir. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what to believe. Because I mean, in the text, it says God. In the audio, it says good. That is a glaring fumble. <laughs> and so, did you like the uh, the remix to the story of... Of uh, of Samson. What part? It was a shootout. I was going to say, I'm talking about the Rastafarian uh, t- tall tale. <laughs> <laughs> they had they had guns. <laughs> they they came in st- Samson in Samson house strapped. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Samson was doing some Dolomite karate on them. <laughs> but let me stop. <laughs> this is serious. Did you see another fumble, Renee? Because um, I, I think the one I just talked about is huge. Because we're saying, we're talking about a relationship that Noah and what Noah told his sons. Did he tell one to be God to him? Or did he say, be good to your brother? And that's a difference. Be God to your brother versus being good to your brother. Yeah. And it also like lays the case for like white supremacy worldwide. Um, What's her name? Isabel Wilkerson talks about that in cast. I don't know if you guys had, if you guys have read that book or talked about that book Mm -hmm. on this podcast. Um, But uh, yeah, if he says be God, then that lays the groundwork for racism and white supremacy. But if he says be good, then that's a whole nother conversation. Right. It's the context. Yep. You're absolutely right. Words matter. Right. Words are like honey. <laughs> <laughs> like honey and oil, they must be protected. <laughs> it was something else about, uh, I was listening to it and he was talking about 
the relationship between Solomon and Sheba. Yeah. Right. Queen of Sheba. And and uh, and my understanding, the real Queen of Sheba, she had her own country. She ran her own nation. This Sheba came up by trickery. And and so the part where Solomon uh, knew that she was thirsty. And she said, please don't take me by force. Solomon ran game on her. You got to tell that story better than that, dog. All right, so... I don't know you said, <laughs> You got to tell that story better than she, that. Dog. First of all, she had to ask Solomon, she's the queen, to not take her by force. I thought that was problematic. You got to rewind it. You got to start before that, dog. Solomon slick, bro. Come on now. Oh, uh, about the water? And then he said, please don't, don't, don't take anything from me. And she was like... Boy, no. So at the party, he intentionally gave her salty meat. This, oh, this yeah. was planned. He had this, he had the whole night lined up. <laughs> I can't even say I was about to say that's bad. He had the whole night lined up. Right. Again, there we go with these stories about heterosexual cisgender men being creeps. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah, that is, he, had, he had some Spanish fly popping. He had his own yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he, he had a trap, you know. Yeah. He said, I'm gonna get this chick thirsty. And then I'm gonna say, don't take anything from me. And then I but I'm gonna set this this cold water between our beds. <laughs> and then he faked like he went to sleep with one eye open. She woke up. She didn't think it was taking anything from him. It was water, I'm thirsty. It makes sense. As you soon as she reached for the water. He grabbed her hand, and next thing you know, he said, all right, you can have a little bit, but you know what you got to give me in exchange. And, well, and you know. It ain't quite anyway, said like that, but yeah. yeah. I just thought that story was told by a European man's perspective. Oh, but they made love. Yeah, Okay. That's, but, uh, that's what it said, though. They made love. It didn't say and, why, he, and why were they sleeping in he, the bed right next to each other where it was just enough space where you could put a water bottle and, and you could reach each other? That didn't make sense. But anyway, um, <laughs> Renee, yes, sir. E- educate us on this. Um, on, on this Rastafarian thing. Well, okay, the only thing I can say, I, I actually don't have the answer to that. The only thing that I keep thinking about, and I didn't go back and do my research, um, is that the Song of Solomon is supposed to be based on their love affair in the Judeo-Christian Bible. Um, so I don't know if that was like after the setup and then they fell in love. I'm not sure what happened. Um, but I do, it makes me feel like those two things line up. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe the details of how they lined up don't, what happened don't line up, but there was definitely some romantic sexual situation between the two of those people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But it was a, it was a weird sexual relationship going on with them. What are the things that I do like, which is going to say Harvey, I was going to say it mentions this throughout the text. So, the relationship between men and women. I mean, this is still a very patriarchal point of view. I I, I don't think, um, you know, they they, re, they refer to Zion as a female, but outside of that, I think the the notion that the men are in charge, men 
want to sleep with women and when they sleep with women it turns them from god because something when they sleep with the wrong women especially it turns them from god and the women's always kind of like the one at fault but then in real life the stories that are being told it's the women that are telling the truth it's the women that are being the wise ones and and i think that's the that's interesting i wanted to hear, hear renee kind of speak to some of that let me interject a little bit in the book they did say in jamaica that women run everything you remember that part yeah I okay. mean, women run everything in the United States. I mean, I mean, for them to acknowledge that in the book <laughs> is powerful. Um, I don't know how accurate that is. I still think that um, what part? What part is not accurate? Women the, running stuff, or yeah, women running stuff. I mean, Jamaica is still a patriarchal society, and there's a lot of so so. There's two things, right? So there's like mainstream Jamaican society and Rastafarianism. Um, and mainstream Jamaican society um, is very patriarchal. Um, there's a lot as, as you might see dance hall and you might see the women doing this and this and that, but there's still a lot of shame around um, female sexuality um, and a lot of disadvantage taking up, particularly um, around like power imbalances and age imba- age imbalances are a really big thing in the sense of like older men taking advantage of younger women and getting them pregnant, all of that kind of thing. Um, and in Rastafarian society, um, just my perception, I, I think I'm certain somebody would be willing to argue with me about it, but I think that it's it's also pretty patriarchal. Um, I think that yeah. there is there's definitely um, more so probably than mainstream Jamaican society um, appreciation for women's contribution and a lot of um, like reverence for the for women for the female body, especially for producing children. I mean, I'm sure you all have noticed like how many kids Bob Marley has and Rastafarians in general. Um, so there's a lot of reverence for women and being but, able But is that normal though? Because like these these Bushmen that live in the hills that only wear the cloth, like they don't, they don't, do they have a bunch of women? Do they got a bunch of wives living in the in the hills like that? It's not necessarily a bunch of wives. Um, but They probably got some groupies. It's, it's definitely a lot of children is what I'm saying. So there's like- In the hills. Yeah, what there's okay. nothing else to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's a thing is that there's a lot of like one of the the tenets is to like be fruitful and multiply the earth. That's like a a big Rastafarian tenet. Um, and so I think that there's a reverence for women and women's place in society. But I think that the leadership, um, definitely comes from from uh patriarchal perspective i don't know if there's necessarily a concept of like feminism equal rights for women and I'm, like i said i'm sure that somebody would be willing to argue with me about it that knows more about it than i do so are the women happy there i think women that choose to be rastafarian probably are um i was telling harvey that i just started rita marley's book so i can report back on another podcast based on her <laughs> her responses <laughs> Um, but there are definitely women who were either raised Rastafarian or convert to Rastafarianism. Um, and that's a choice that they make, but I don't think it's unlike being a woman in other cultures. 
Dog, there's a there's this artist named uh, Ja Nine. I mean, she's super dope. She's a female roster, and I I would think she's happy. And she's made videos. Is she cute? Oh, oh she's gorgeous. And she's made videos um, talking about the culture, the politics, um, relationships between men and women. Like she's she's very much a woman in the in the sense that we understand that word in our culture. But she she seems to be fully uh, immersed in, in Rastafarian culture, not from a commercial sense either. Um, so, but uh, I just I I just kept noticing that coming up in the, in the text um, that 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 relationship between men and women is kind of weird. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So, if Renee, if you had to re- uh, rate this book one through ten, what would you give it? Um, I would say for somebody that is, I would give it a seven overall. Um, okay. I think that if you are very, very educated or you are roster yourself, it may not be worth the read. But if you're somebody who is learning more about it or trying to find context or put the pieces together like I was, I really enjoyed it. Okay. So you give it a seven? Mm-hmm. All right. Let me rate it. And then, Harvey, I'll let you go last since you picked the book. I, um, in terms of readability and attention and entertainment, I give it a four. And I'm being generous. Oh, no. <laughs> I felt like... Um, I felt like it was boring. I felt like um, I was reading the Bible, but then it kind of got funny when um, when they had to take nine with Samson. <laughs> but but I also respected. I uh, it, it made me form some type of respect and understanding for Rastafarian, being that it was started in the 1930s, so they had enough time to see how everything developed and then come up with a religion that is um, a modern religion. So, but overall, I give it the book of four. Harvey, what's your thoughts? Um, I think uh, I'm going to need to check out this book several times. Um, moving forward, I give it an eight and a half right now. Um, I'm a, again, I'm, I'm attracted to Rastafarian culture. Um, understanding that this is a book about a book, you know, um, how we approach scriptures and how we read scriptures and why we read them. I don't, I don't, I don't do it the way. I don't know. I gotta be careful how I say that, man. I, I I was raised in the church, the Christian church. I think I have a firm um, understanding of biblical text, and I can firmly say I've never read it for a real inspiration. And so, you know, reading reading these stories, these so so called lost stories, it's interesting to me. So I'm I'm I'm, in, I'm curious about stuff like that. Um, the conversations with the rosters are very warm. I would have loved to have had a, another voice narrating that. 
I would have loved to hear Ziggy or someone else, um, another black voice with a stronger dialect handle handle that conversation. It might have been more difficult to understand, but I would have appreciated it more. Um because I think I think there's I think the book is slightly misleading in that in that regard. I don't think this is a black liberation text. If so if you're if you're picking it up thinking that this is gonna be the the Rasta Bible, I, I think you it's gonna make you question what it is you think you know about Rasta, you know? Mm. Because to Renee's point, like it's not everything is not about smoking weed. There's a whole chapter in here dedicated to talking about ganja and the relationship of ganja and how it's a sacrament. But that's that's not <laughs> for everybody. Cures, they believe it cures glaucoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. But yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's a long list of uh, of of medical uh, um, uses. Um, I remember Lennon when I was in high school there was a roster that was working at the pool and I remember he was smoking a spliff. He had this green drink, this real earthy drink. And he was reading a, a green new Testament track, you know? And I'm like, man, what are you doing, man? You can't be smoking weed and, 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 and reading the Bible. And he's like, you know, the herb is from the earth, and if you it'll do what you're focusing on. If you're focusing on righteousness, it brings you righteousness. If you're focusing on foolishness, it brings you foolishness. Yep. And like, <laughs> and man, I just from that moment, I just kind of was like, damn, like that's a bold person, like you know, because I'm thinking if you cussing and hold a Bible, your, your teeth might fall out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and to see somebody smoking weed and doing it, it's just definitely crisscrossing my understanding of what's right, wrong, permissible under the sun and all that good stuff. And so um, I've been to some Nyabingis. I've had Nyabingis. So it's a whole piece in here talking about the Nyabingi experience. I've had those experiences. I've been to a Nyabingi where I didn't feel welcome before. Like real shit. I felt like I wasn't like I won't part of the crew. I've seen I've seen spaces where like women, if they didn't have a head wrap, they won't part of the crew. So I've seen like there's certain Rastafarian sects or cults where hey, if you if they don't know you, if you ain't good, you ain't good. <laughs> You're not getting in. You know, I've seen all of that. And so I think I think all of that is 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 in this text. But you got to get to it. It's like all the way at the end. And if you're not down for that, you're going to miss it. And it's going to be boring. It's going to be everything the way you described it, Lennon, because it's 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 old uh, stories about Solomon in a time period. That's just that's just unless you're reading the Old Testament every day, you're not thinking about this shit, man. And it's just like, what in the world is going on here? You know? So what did you rate it, Harvey? I'm gonna give it an eight and a half, man. I'm gonna give it an eight and a half, but I really I, I liked it. Okay. The other thing I would say that I think makes it important, and again, um, you're right, Harvey. I wish that it had come across as Black Liberation text because that's what I gathered from it. Is um, about Black religion. Like we don't spend right. enough time talking about Black religion, and I've had so many arguments with folks about. Christianity and being a Christian and like, well, you know, that's an oppressive religion. It's a white man's religion. It's this, it's that it's exclusionary. But then when you take it from Ethiopian Orthodox, like it started some of the earliest right. Christians were Africans 
And to see that branch off into another sect of a different religion that helps people get through their day, that helps people have reverence for their bodies, for their community, I think is really important. And I, th- I think it's interesting, too, because I don't. As much as I don't I don't know that I see Rastafarian as a religion, you know, I, and I know that people get to say that it is. I like that it's a lifestyle. I like that it's a, a way of life. It's a culture. I don't fundamentally find it different from the Christianity that I was raised under. Like I don't I can't even see where it's like now I believe in a new God. But I don't see Rasta trying to go out and convert people to Rasta. I don't see that either. You know what I'm saying? I just they 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 don't to me they don't go against each other. And it's unfortunate that people try to pit them. There's a scene in the movie Rockers, I think it's in Rockers, where the dude is 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 he's he's with his roots friends and he goes and meets his grandmother and they're having a, a Christian baptism. But these is Jamaican African folks and they drumming and shit and it, it sounds the same. Like it sounds it's like what's the difference? You know, the difference is they're a little more formal in this space where in this other space they're saying, no, nah, we're gonna be earth man. We're gonna be true to the earth and whatever, whatever. And so anyway, um I like the book in that respect. It's an eight and a half for me. It's not something that I would necessarily recommend to somebody again, you know, it's just it's personal, you know. Ruth. And that's it. Thank you for coming and being a part of the Bros Bookshelf, Renee. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And thank you for being a fan. For sure. <laughs> and, and thank you because I know you shared our podcast in the past and I just want to thank you for that and thank you for sharing it in the future. Definitely. I got you. All right. Appreciate you, Renee. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Remember, click subscribe, share with your friends, give us a five star Oregon, Algeria, Walmart, and Arizona Bring your sun lotion Early morning class of yoga On the beach in Senegal Ethiopia, the capital For the congregation A dress how I belong A day the king come from I can see us all in limos Jaguars and limos